Have widespread hospital bans on VBAC made a repeat C-section your only hospital birth option? Did lack of access to VBAC make you choose a home birth after cesarean section? Pamela Udy, president of ICANN, the International Cesarean Awareness Network, and a home birth after cesarean mother herself, joins Bellies to Birthcast to discuss why more women are choosing home birth after cesarean section. Welcome to the Bellies to Birthcast. Available whenever and wherever you want at givingbirthnaturally.com, the evidence-based guide to giving birth naturally. Our expert interviews, helpful tips, and inspirational stories will guide you through the pinnacles and pitfalls of pregnancy so you can make informed decisions for your family. I'm your host, Catherine Beyer. You're listening to the Bellies to Birth Cast episode for the week of November 10th. Well, hello and welcome, Pam. It's an honor to have you with us today. Well, thanks for inviting me. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your organization, the International Cesarean Awareness Network? Sure. I've been involved with ICANN since my third baby was born. He was a vaginal hospital birth with a certified nurse midwife after two cesareans. I had two cesareans uh, with my, well, I had a cesarean each with my first two babies. And then my next three were all vaginal births, and most of that is due to the support and encouragement of ICANN. ICANN stands for the International Cesarean Awareness Network. We are a nonprofit organization, all volunteer, and we work to improve the maternal and child health by preventing unnecessary cesareans through education. We provide support for cesarean recovery and we promote vaginal birth after cesareans. Every month, we have support meetings held throughout the United States, Canada, and one in the UK now. We offer forums on our website and offer support and encouragement to moms there. And we provide evidence-based information using all the latest research moms make educated decisions about their health care. It's really a wonderful organization and definitely something more women should be aware of, especially as the cesarean rates are climbing within the U.S. Let's address the issue of VBAC, or vaginal birth after cesarean. What are the primary reasons to consider a VBAC? Well, one of the biggest reasons is simply safety. Uh, VBAC is safer for moms and babies than simply scheduling a cesarean. There are some really great long-term health reasons for having a VBAC for the baby. Baby is less likely to have respiratory problems or to be born premature, and he has a better breastfeeding and bonding experience. And those aren't just woo-woo, nice, happy things. Those are real health benefits to baby. And a VBAC usually has and easier recovery for mom than a cesarean. A cesarean is major abdominal surgery. I think somewhere along the way that's gotten lost and it just has been presented as a safe option to be to vaginal birth. But a cesarean is surgery and it has risk inherent within that. Can you tell us a little bit more about the risks of a C-section, especially some potential long-term risks? 
Sure. Mom has immediate risk on the surgical table. She has risk of bleeding and risk of shock, risk of problems with anesthesia. She has long-term risk of infection and nicks to other internal organs, which lead to long-term problems. She has risk of depression and traumatic recovery due to the surgery. And I want to be careful here and say that not all cesareans are traumatic, and definitely there are some vaginal births that are traumatic as well. But some women perceive their surgeries as as being traumatic, especially if there is an anesthesia problem and they can't communicate that or somebody just isn't isn't listening well enough to them. Also, the the risk of the baby being cut by the knife and and having to recover from that. He the the doctor could have underestimated the length of the pregnancy and then baby is born premature and and has respiratory problems. And even if baby isn't born premature, they could still have respiratory problems due to not being squeezed through the birth canal and therefore their lungs aren't, uh, all the fluid's not squeezed out of their, their lungs. And so babies with cesareans just simply have, have more respiratory problems and they spend more time in the NICU. Now, what are some of the situations in which a VBAC would not be encouraged? I think that's very individual. Some moms will have a different comfort level. Some will be okay with delivering with a condition that another would not be. An example of that would be different types of uterine scars. Maybe the last cesarean was classical incisions. And some women would be comfortable with delivering vaginally after that and some would not. So the key here is education and knowing what the options are and and having those options be accessible to them and not them feeling like, well, I have to do this because that option's not even available to me. What percentage of women are actually having a VBAC? Unfortunately, the 2006 numbers tell us that the VBAC rates have dropped in correlation with the rising cesarean rate. Only about 76 of women actually VBAC. So the generally accepted numbers for those that could have a successful VBAC is between 62% and 82% of women. So only about 10% of the women who statistically could VBAC are VBACing. I, I just find that very shocking. It definitely is. What are some of the reasons women are not successfully VBACing? Well, obstetricians have done a great job of blaming moms for the rising cesarean rate. We're too old, we're too fat, we're too short. But if you listen to moms, you'll hear that it's their doctors who are pushing cesareans out of impatience, sake of convenience, or fear of lawsuits. Do you find that some physicians are just unaware that the risk with vaginal birth after cesarean are lower than that of a repeat cesarean section? I, unfortunately, I don't believe that doctors are using evidence-based medicine <laughs> when it comes to VBAC. It's all based on the fear of liability, the fear of lawsuits, 
and and that's and very unfortunate. They're putting the protection of their pocketbook ahead of the health and safety of mother and babies. Hospitals are also, due to this liability issue and some other reasons, banning ZBEC or saying that at this hospital, it's not an option. Why is that occurring? Again, it's all about the perceived risk of liability. And there is great irony in the fact that cesareans pose more risk to mom and baby than vaginal births do, and that these risks translate to more moms and babies being hurt by the very surgeries that doctors are trying to protect themselves with. Hospitals and doctors are really good right now at pointing the finger back at each other, and, the, and then you have the insurance companies too. And so they're just making this little triangle of blame. It's their fault. They're the ones that are requiring it. They won't let me. And it's the mom and the babies that are really suffering some significant health complications and even death due to these bans. Can you share with us how the ban on VBAT is impacting more women to opt for a home birth after cesarean section? Sure. If the medical community is unwilling to support VBAC in the hospital, women will choose to give birth at home rather than schedule unnecessary surgery. Doctors don't like this, but if we're not supposed to give birth at home and we're not supposed to give birth in the hospital, it seems like the only acceptable option to them is that we have our babies in the operating room, and that's not okay. Women are willing to pay out of their pockets for a home birth midwife rather than have their insurance company pay for a cesarean that they did not medically need. What does it say about our medical community when our hospitals, which are supposed to be places of comfort and healing, are instead places of coercion and fear? Doctors need to realize and work with us to make hospitals, again, a safe and a respectable place to go and have our babies. We need to feel like it's successful there, that it's going to be encouraged, and that it is actually an option, and that as soon as we step in the door, we're not going to be rushed off to the operating room. And if they want us to deliver there, they're going to have to, to meet us and to make some real changes in the way that feedbacks are handled in the hospital. Can you share some rough estimates on how many mothers are choosing home births after cesarean versus being forced to repeat cesarean section? I don't have a good number for that. I don't think that those numbers have been collected anywhere. However, we do know that less than 2% of women deliver outside the hospital. And I'd imagine that VBAC moms are a growing number of these births. We need to be sure that VBAC is a protected option when it comes to home birth, and that comes with the midwifery licensure, which is happening in many states. VBAC needs to be a viable option for that. How does ACOG's stance on VBAC affect hospitals' policy regarding the option? ACOG came out with a statement saying that obstetricians and anesthesia staff needs to be available, immediately available, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And this had a serious impact on hospitals' willingness to offer VBAC to moms. Small rural hospitals without 24 anesthesia 
almost immediately placed a ban in effect. And other hospitals are, are following suit to that, even though they're within our communities and have adequate staff that they, for instance, our local hospitals have 24 anesthesia staff. We have a very high epidural rate in, our, in, in my local hospitals here in Utah, but we don't have 24 obstetricians on staff. And, and so it's very hard to get a VBAT in these hospitals, which is very unfortunate because it is a huge leap to go from having had a cesarean for whatever reason to having a home birth. Like I said, 98% of our population delivers in the hospital. For a mom to feel unsafe enough to turn away from the hospital and turn to home birth is very significant and says some really sad things about our hospitals. It definitely does. Can you share a little bit more information on the safety of home birth after cesarean versus a vaginal birth after cesarean in the hospital? VBAC is a very safe option. The major risk of a VBAC is, of course, uterine rupture. Unfortunately, something that women aren't being told is that once you have a cesarean, your chance of having a uterine rupture is carried throughout your pregnancy. It's not just while you're in labor. However, your risk of uterine rupture is still very low. It is about par to that of moms who are who did not have a cesarean, but who are being induced with some of these induction drugs, such as misbuterol and, and cytotex. So my biggest thing that I tell women is not to be induced with any kind of drug unless it's, unless there is an urgent medical reason and to be sure that you're interviewing your care providers, find out what kind of protocol they have, what do they suggest for induction, why do they do it. Is it 90 or 80 or 90% of their moms have inductions because it's convenient or are they only doing it when it's very medically necessary? Now, what precautions should women take when planning a vaginal birth after cesarean or a home birth after cesarean? Both of these are going to be very similar. Whenever you're planning any birth, but especially VBAC birth, you're going to want to interview multiple care providers. Choose one that practices the midwife's model of care. And be open to your options. Consider going outside of your insurance network to get the care provider with the really great VBAC rate. You'll want to find out what what the doctor or midwife's steering rate is. What do they risk women out for? What and, and, and really consider what is important to you. And that's going to be different for every woman. For some women, they just want to go into labor on their own. And they don't want a, a care provider who has a 90% induction rate. So really look at, at what is important to you. If a mom is going to deliver in a hospital, veto the induction, veto the epidural, and any kind of medications during labor so that you can really listen to your body and notice any sudden changes. So, and there are some who would suggest an ultrasound to see where the placenta had to attach. 
to help rule out any placenta implantation problems. So if a placenta has attached near the prior uterine scar area, then the mom may be at more risk for placenta problems even after delivery. So that that might be an option. And some women are very comfortable with that and some aren't. So just have to kind of kind of decide that and find a care provider who's going to be respectful of that which is important to you and, and that you're comfortable with. I was just taking out-of-hospital classes, childbirth classes. Sometimes moms have said, oh, well, I've already done that. But they were the you know, hospital, how to be a good patient class and perhaps something out of the hospital which may give you a little more education on how to handle labor and, and how to prepare for it and, and give you a little more encouragement and, and strength for doing it. Now, how can women advocate for VBAC in their area? If it's not an option, what can they do? Who can they talk to to try to raise awareness or to make this a valid choice in their particular area? It's a lot of work, but it can be done to encourage hospitals and doctors to be supportive of of VBAC. Write letters to the hospital. You may actually call and make an appointment to meet with hospital staff. Let them know that this needs to be an option. Women want this option. And and maybe go to, to the press. Contact your local newspapers. Write an opinion piece. Um, talk to reporters. And then also talk to government representatives. Talk to your congresswoman. Talk to House representatives. Talk to these people who need to know that patients' rights are being violated with these feedback bans. If women can't refuse surgery, then they didn't consent to it. And if you're in a position where that is your only option, that is coercion and and illegal. It definitely should be a choice for lack of choice. Right. Is there a way that women can get more information on the status of VBAC at the hospitals in their area? Is there a good place to find the numbers for the rates of induction, things of that nature? On our website, and that's www.ican-online.org, we have a page that it's a state map, and you can look and see what hospitals in your area are VBAC friendly or who have a VBAC ban. I'm not sure that we have epidural and induction rates, and where you find that varies from state to state. But most hospitals are willing to talk to you if you call. You just ask for the maternity ward and and talk to the nurse who answers the phone and say, oh, I, I just moved to the area and I'm looking to get some more information on the local hospitals and can you tell me? And most of them are very chatty. I've called <laughs> many hospitals to get the information and if they're not busy, they're willing to sit and chat with you and... They'll even exchange birth stories with you and be friendly and talk to them about what's happening within their hospital. And, and, and so that's a great way to get information. Are there any specific strategies that women can use to find supportive providers or midwives in their area? 
ICANN, as an organization, does not give out recommendations for care providers. It's so individual. Some women will have a wonderful experience with an obstetrician, and that same obstetrician will be another woman's nightmare. So it really just depends. You're going to have to interview and go in, and and some women are very reluctant to do that, but Really, just go in and talk to them and say, this is what I want, and what would you do in this situation, and how many of your moms do this, and talk to them about their vacation schedule. Well, I'm due in four months. Are you going out of town? And really, that is the best way to get a sense for them and how they practice and watch for those red flags. And it is a lot of work that you can go in and just say, I'm here to interview I'm looking for a new doctor. You don't have to take off any clothes. And most often, you are not paying a copay. You're simply trying to find a new doctor. And most will sit down and talk to you about it. And if they won't, then that is a point that a lot of women miss. Interviewing a provider is something you should do regardless of your history for any type of medical care, especially with having a baby, because, as you talked about earlier, it is such an individual experience. It's not just practice and procedure, but it's also that personal connection that you want to have with that person. So you definitely don't have to take the first one that you talk to. Right, or the one that your sister-in-law loves, or the one that's on your insurance plan, because there are a lot out there, and you may have to search through a haystack to find that one shiny needle, but it's it's so worth it. Now, recently, insurance companies have started denying coverage to women who've had previous cesarean sections. Do you think that that will have an impact on the number of women who have access to VBAC? You know, this is such a frustrating trend. <laughs> Cesareans impose risk of medical complications, short-term and long-term, which carry a huge price tag. And insurance companies have done the math, and they recognize that cesarean moms are high-cost beneficiaries, and they are working to weed them out of the pool of people that they cover. And that's frustrating because it is discriminatory, and lawmakers need to clue into this, and we need a way to protect moms. However, <laughs> these restrictions speak very loudly to the true risk of cesareans. They do carry significant risk of complications and should be used only when medically necessary. And yet we have the medical community just as a casual, convenient way to schedule their day. And they're working hard to convince us as women that it's no big deal. And and then you have these insurance companies that are saying it is a big deal and are lifelong health and insurance coverage is at risk due to this. And we need to clue into this and be aware that that this is a possibility. And, and we need to be very careful about why we're, we're scheduling these cesareans and being sure that they are very necessary. Can you share a little bit more on how many women are currently having cesareans with their first babies and what some of the recommended percentages would be? The World Health Organization has 
recommended that the cesarean rate be between 10 and 15%. ICANN was started 26 years ago by several women who were outraged that the cesarean rate was 16%. 16%. I, I, I'm not sure what I would do to have a 16% cesarean rate at my local hospital. Our cesarean rate is now 30% and climbing. We see states who are whose cesarean rate is 30%, and then you have cesareans for reach and twins and premature babies are not even being counted in that percentage rate. And so you you kind of have to wonder what their real cesarean rate is and why they have a 30% when they're not counting all of these that may actually have been necessary. The first time cesarean rate is, is one in three. And moms who have had prior cesareans the cesarean rate is is much higher than that. You're more likely to have a repeat cesarean. And unfortunately, that's something that doctors are, are telling women, well, you know, let's do this now because uh, it's a little more convenient. I'm not really sure about what's going on. And you can have a vaginal birth with your next baby. That That's not always true. The women may not be in an area where that is, encouraged and supported and then she has this huge fight on her hands and it's not it's not a very comfortable place to be and and that is a very very disturbing statistic to see that nearly half of the cesareans performed today are most likely unnecessary and preventable now preventable is a huge word because we talk about unnecessary cesareans, and I, I'm not sure that people can wrap their brains around that. But when you talk about the fact that you have choices that you make as you go along and your doctor makes, and and you go into the hospital, when do you go into the hospital? Well, do you go into the hospital the minute that you have a contraction, or do you wait until you're in active labor? That is something that can determine whether you have a cesarean or not. And we don't see birth anymore. We don't see labor anymore. And so when labor hits, we go into the hospital because that's what we're told to do. And that, that the minute that you walk in those doors, you're put on a time clock and your, your labor may slow at that point. I had... Two of my babies after my cesareans at the hospital and one at home. And my home birth baby was a much shorter labor than either of my two hospital births. And I really feel like that's because I had to transition to that change. And it was getting used to the environment and and having things happen to me there. And And it just took labor longer at that time. So that is something that women need to be aware of. Go into the hospital when you're in active labor and make sure that your care provider is somebody who is is supportive and encouraging. Opt for natural pain relief measures instead of the epidural. All of these things can help you to have a vaginal birth instead of a cesarean. 
And, and that's kind of what we're talking about when we talk about preventable. If you do this, this, and this, and this, you're going to have a cesarean. If you, you know, maybe make some different choices, you can prevent that cesarean and, and help yourself and kind of stack the odds in your favor of having a vaginal birth. Are there any primary things that women should try to avoid that typically do lead to a cesarean? You've talked a little bit about going to the hospital too soon, using pain medications. Are there any other things for women to really be aware of that are maybe not the best choices in most situations and have been shown to lead to a cesarean? Sure, I can think of two right off the top of my head. And the first would be inductions. Inductions are being touted as being convenient and and fun. You're tired of being pregnant anyway, so just, you know, let me schedule it for this day. And what the doctors aren't telling you is that that's the day he has all his, his moms come in for an induction, and he's going to be done by 5 o'clock whether your body is or not. Unless there's a real medical reason for you to have that induction, then just just stay home and let baby pick his own birthday. The other thing is constant fetal monitoring. The monitor has not been shown to improve fetal outcomes. It hasn't been shown to help baby at all. The only thing it has been shown to do is increase the cesarean rate. Think about it. You go into the hospital, your clothes are taken, you're denied food and water, you're strapped to a bed with the monitor wires, and the minute that any of those monitors beat, you're off down the hall in the operating room. So really talk to your doctor about having intermittent monitoring and make that a real possibility for you. Mm -hmm. And the nursing staff may freak out about it, but just say, well, I talked to my doctor about it, and he he said that was okay, and and then they go along with it. Doctor usually trumps hospital. So, you know, just because it's protocol doesn't mean that it's something that you that you have to do. Maybe the only other one that I can think of is just to stay home, have your baby at home. Hospital protocol is designed around liability, not necessarily what's best for mom and babies, or even what the research says is safest. Definitely, the research is very clear on continuous electronic fetal monitoring, that it isn't superior to intermittent monitoring, and that it doesn't improve outcome. The high rate of false positives typically leads to unnecessary interventions that can lead to a cesarean, but also it misses some of the most critical complications that can occur, such as a uterine rupture. It's not going to tell you if that has happened. No. Being with a mom, watching her one-on-one, looking at skin tone, those types of things will give you more of a, of a warning if something of that nature has occurred. But there is that tendency to rely on that, that monitor, that strip, that, oh, well, it's not beeping, so everything's fine. And then on the reverse side, that, oh, it's beeping, we're in trouble. So definitely, those are some, some good points. Do you have one piece of takeaway advice for women who are desiring a VBAC or considering a home birth after a cesarean section? I would say to educate yourself, really look at what the options are, look at the research, and, and look at what's important to you and know what's important to you and, and roll that all up with the big ribbon that says VBAC is safe. And 
and then go with what your your own intuition is telling you. Well, excellent. Thank you so much for being with us today. Just, I can't have any news, any recent happenings, anything for us to be looking forward to in the coming months. ICANN has recently put forms on our website, which we are excited about. They're busy and they're great places to find information and to find connections and to get that encouragement. We are doing a lot of collaboration with other organizations, such as midwifery organizations, in order to protect feedback when it comes to home birth and to preserve that option for our VBAC moms. Our Excitedly planning our conference in Atlanta, which will be held April 24th through the 26th in 2009. So we invite you to come to that. Our conferences are so amazing. They are places of real connection to other women. They are an avenue for healing and there's no other conference like our ICANN conferences. Can you tell us a little bit more about what those conferences look like, what women can expect if they are able to attend? Sure. We have some great speakers lined up, Well, and we do every year, but this year, especially excited about our conference mainsters, but we have we're going to have five main speakers, and then we have lots of breakout sessions. We'll have time to just connect with other women. On Saturday night, we have um, a, a time to, to sing and to look at each other in the eyes and hug and just really connect. We have great exhibitors and the, the hotel that we're staying at is is great. We've talked to the hotel about keeping the hot tub open late just for our conference attendees so that women can go and hang out there. That's one of our favorite ICANN things to do is to go hang out in the, in the hot tub. This year we're going to have the movie Pregnant in America, such a movie that speaks to dads. It is an amazing movie. And Steve, he has put together this movie of his wife's pregnancy. And it was a first-time pregnancy, but they chose to deliver at home with a midwife. And so the movie can be a real guy movie, but it also speaks to women in the path that you have to choose what you feel safe is the best for you, even though she was being told, are you crazy? And well, at least deliver your first one in the hospital and then have your next one at home if you if you know, if you really insist. And the movie's the movie's great. So we're gonna have that Friday night. Sarah Buckley's coming, Eugene DeCleric is coming, Cam England and Joni Nichols. Those are our keynote speakers and it's gonna be a, a fabulous conference. So we're gonna have time for all those who have books there to do a book signing and time for this to network with the speakers. 
We are having a president's panel with other organizations coming to our conference and giving us a little report of what they're doing and how we're networking together. And so it's going to be a great time to really just see what, what's happening and and yet do a little bit of healing in a very personal way as well. I just can't tell you how awesome these conferences are and how ICANN women are, are amazing and and strong and and yet we're all moms and and women and our conference theme this year is real women, real life. And it's and it's about how, you know, we're not statistics. We're we're women and this is our life and our births have impacted our lives in very real ways. And and so it's an acknowledgement of that and and it's a time to grow and to wrap everything up and it's an amazing amazing weekend. Well, it definitely sounds like it. Are there other ways that women in different communities around the US can get involved? Yes, come see us on our website and we have a, a clickable map where you can see if there is a local chapter near you. If there is, please come and, and join the with us. We'd love to to have you at our next meeting. If there's not, you know, we we invite you to to look into whether that's something that you could do. Start start in a chapter in your area. If that's not an option, there are the forums, and we have women from around the country, even other countries who are there talking and and sharing and the forums are a great way to be involved. We have lots of volunteer opportunities because ICANN is an all volunteer organization and there are there are things that we need. We try to make all the jobs mommy sized. Like we talked earlier about calling hospitals and finding out whether there's a VBAC ban in place or, or how supportive they are about different options. And that's something that we still need for, for different areas. So if you click on our VBAC ban map and you don't see your area, you know, we invite you to, to call your local hospitals and let us know what the information is and we can put that in so that other women know that. And there's a number of other things that you can do to to be involved with ICANN and I'd love to help explore those with you if you if you want to look into that. Excellent. Well thank you so much, Pam, for being with us today. Do you have any other comments before we close? Well, I just wanna thank you, Catherine, for, for having me today and you know it's it's important sometimes to to do these things so that so that women know the different options that are, that are out there and and that there there are other women who have had a prior VBAC and who are searching and doing the, the same self education that your listeners are and we're all women and we're we're all here for you and thank you very much well, thank you. On the next episode of Bellies to Birthcast, 
Join us as we talk with other mothers who've chosen home birth after cesarean section.